0: You're listening to Sermons from Church on Bayshore in Niceville, Florida. Our mission is to do whatever it takes to see people believe in Jesus, belong to God's family, and become who God created them to be, impacting the world for Christ. To learn more about our church and to find additional resources, including ways to connect, serve, and give,
1: visit churchonbayshore.org. Right. well we rejoice with Hudson and Avery and their decision to follow Jesus and we are incredibly grateful uh, for uh, God's grace on their life to bring them into a home uh, with their parents Philip and Laura and how they invest uh, in their children and grandparents and church family and we're just so grateful for what God uh, is doing and will do in Hudson and Avery's life And if you're here today, and uh, maybe you're a child, uh, maybe it's uh, you're a teenager like I was when I first realized uh, the truth of who Jesus was. Maybe you're an adult like we see uh, happen often here. And you realize who God is, uh, that you fall short of his glory and that you need him to save you, and you want to give your life to him, we want to walk with you in that. We wanna help you understand why baptism is a step we take as followers of Jesus. You can text the word believe uh, to the number that you see on the screen this morning, and one of our pastors will follow up with you, and we would love to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. Uh, If you're visiting with us this morning or watching online for the first time, thank you for joining us. We'd love to connect with you you as well, you can text the word CONNECT to that same number, and one of our CONNECT team members will follow up with you. I would love to answer any questions that you might have and help you learn uh, what it means to be a part of our church family. Before we get started this morning in Ephesians chapter 5, I want to reiterate two things that were mentioned in the welcome. One is that Serve Day is next week, and so we are looking forward to a great day of serving our community Together. And so I would encourage you, if you have not already, to sign up to register for Serve Day and the various ways that we are serving next Saturday. Also, uh, Kay mentioned in the welcome that next week, as we find ourselves in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 14, uh, the text that we are dealing with deals with some mature topics. We're so incredibly grateful that some of you make the decision to have your elementary age kids uh, with you in service, and uh, you're welcome to, but we just want to make sure you're aware uh, of what we'll be talking about. You can go ahead and read ahead and see those things, and that way you can make an informed decision as to whether or not you uh, place them in children's ministry next week or have them here in the gathering. If you have a middle schooler or above with you, they need to be in here. Because they're already hearing these things if you're not talking about them already. All right, well, we have been in the book of Ephesians since April 16th. And while I think we are going uh, at a slow pace, uh, when you are on a journey, there are some places you need to almost stop and zoom in and take in where you are. And I think our arrival in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2 is such an instance, Since becoming a supervisor for the mortgage company I worked for at age 19, visionary leadership has been something that others have always tried to help me with and something that I have been interested in and that I have studied. I've heard various forms of this idea that without vision, people perish. Without there being a clear uh, vision and direction, people will kind of do their own thing or perhaps even be hurt uh, or an organization will be hurt for the lack of vision. But vision isn't just about leading a church or leading a team or leading an organization. It is essential to have personal vision. Helen Keller, who was both blind and deaf, said, the only thing worse than being blind is having no vision. Now, I'm not going to comment on where Helen Keller went politically, at least not here, but given her circumstances and what she was able to do, her statement is inspiring and challenging to those of us who want to see things happen or change in our lives. One of the first things that you learn if you become a student of leadership is that you need to have a mission statement, a concise statement that summarizes what you want to do and what you want others to do, and therefore guides your decisions And your directions. And I think Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2 is such a statement. And that's why I believe we should stop and reflect on it today. Here is what the word of God says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. A fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I want to walk through what Paul is saying here. I want to talk about what that really means for us and hopefully inspire you to what is possible in your life. And I really don't want to overcomplicate this today. So let me pray and then let's get started. Father, thank you for your word, thank you for the goodness of your word, thank you for the power of your word. I pray that that goodness and that power would not be lost on us this morning. God, that it would result in transformed lives and lives lived for you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's first address what he is saying by dissecting these verses. The first word in this text is the word therefore. And you n- always need to ask what therefore is therefore. So this statement is connected to what Paul has previously said, which is summarized in verses 22 and 23 of Ephesians chapter 4. Paul writes there to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed. In the spirit of your minds. In Ephesians chapter 4, t- Paul talks about how uh, the world uh, who pursues a life apart from Christ is foolish. And that foolishness leads to. Darkness, And then that life of darkness ultimately leads to a hardness of heart or a callousness. And he says, that's not what you as believers have learned in Christ. You have learned to remove sin from your life, to be renewed by the Holy Spirit, and to walk in righteousness. And he gives examples of that, of moving from lying to truth and anger to peace and talking to giving and gossip to grace and from bitterness uh, to forgiveness, You have been transformed, he says. Therefore, be. And the Greek word is not actually captured in our English language. Cause to be would probably be a better and most literal translation of what Paul is writing here. So it's probably translated better, become. Therefore, become. Become what? Imitators of God. And the word Imitator is translated in such a way in almost all modern word-for-word translations. That word, imitator, could be used negatively in our language for a counterfeit or an impersonator. But here, it suggests the imitation of a good role model. Become imitators of God. Let God be the one that you are trying to be like. And Paul puts a modifier on this, and he says, as... Beloved children. Beloved is a Greek word, agapetos, which comes from the Greek word agapeo, which is a word that means unconditional and sacrificial love. And it's connected here to the word child. This phrase here, beloved child, is often used to refer to an only child. And this use expresses God's ability to love each one of us as if we are his only child, And our call to walk, imitating him like a beloved child, without other influences. You see, we are wired to imitate. When we are young, we imitate athletes and actors and musicians. When I was a child, I wanted to be Batman. And I had a Batman costume. And I remember sneaking out of my house one night to try and fight crime. uh, Because I wanted to be just like Batman. And we are wired to imitate. And a child with a good mother and father will imitate their father and mother. And as we get older, we still see examples of us imitating people. The call here on the life of a believer is to imitate God as a beloved child. Our earthly father fails in their example But our heavenly father is perfect in his example. And that is the call on our life. Be like him. And Paul specifies the implications of imitating God as beloved children. And he says, walk in love. In verse two. Now this is the third call to walk in Ephesians. In chapter four, verse one, Paul said to walk worthy of your calling. In chapter four, verse 17, he said to walk in holiness. And now he says to walk in love. To walk means to live. It means the pattern and direction of your life. It means how you are you. And he says walk in love. Again, that Greek word for unconditional sacrificial love. And it's not the word that is important here. It's the example And the example is found in verse 2 when he says, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. As or according to. Walk according to Christ's love for us and sacrifice for us. Imitating God means walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us or on behalf of his. Us, sorry. And Howard Hainer says the reflexive pronoun here shows that Christ took initiative. I think of John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, when Jesus says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received. From my father. Jesus here says, I want to do this. This is my desire to give my life for the father and for us. The great commandment contained in the Old Testament and in the New Testament of Scripture in several places is that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and strength and might and, and mind and to love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the summary of what it means to follow Jesus. And this is what pleases God to love him and to love others in such a way. Paul says, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Fragrant offering or pleasing aroma or something similar is used 40 times in the law in the Old Testament. And it indicates God's delight in sacrifice for him. And what the Bible teaches us about Jesus is that all of those sacrifices were ultimately pointing to the greatest sacrifice that he would offer. The author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26 through 28, for it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priest, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Jesus' sacrifice pleased God. It was the ultimate sacrifice that brought the ultimate pleasure to our heavenly father. And this sacrifice was on our behalf. And so in Christ, when we have accepted the sacrifice of Christ for our righteousness, what God sees in us, if you wanna use this language, what God smells on us is this pleasing sacrifice of Christ. Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 through 16, Paul writes, but thanks be to God What this text tells us is that we, as followers of Jesus, are the aroma of Christ, and that's pleasing to God, and it brings life to those who are found in Christ, and it reminds those who are not in Christ of death. And so, as followers of Jesus, we are called to be imitators of God as beloved children, walking in love just as Christ gave himself For loved us and gave himself for us. And this is a pleasing aroma to God and it sends the message of Christ to others. This is what it means to follow Jesus. This is the life we've been called to live. So what Does that mean for us? Like if we're leaving here understanding this is the life, this is the vision, this is the mission that we've been called to, then what does that mean for us? Well, I I, want to give you four things that this means for us. First, it means that we are to yield to the process of God shaping us into his image. Yield to the process of God shaping you into his image. In Ephesians chapter five, verse one, it says, therefore, Be imitators of God or become imitators of God. So become is a part of a process. And we are called to become who God has created us to be. As beloved children, it says. And so the imagery imagery here is of a child who wants to be like their father and makes the decision to be like their parent, And the text tells us that Christ is the firstborn and the model, Romans chapter 8. And the firstborn is really who the legacy of the Father hinges upon. Aren't we great that the legacy of God and his desire and his will hinges on Jesus and not us? But then as beloved children, we are called to walk in that legacy. And the text here is saying that there is a decision that needs to be made in our heart to become like God. A change of heart has to happen. In Acts chapter 2, when Peter is preaching the gospel to religious people, and he tells them about how Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament, the life that Jesus lived, and how they crucified Jesus, the text tells us that they were cut to the heart and asked, what shall we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. Repentance in the Greek means, it's a word, mentaneu, and it means a change of heart or a change of purpose. That is what has to happen in our lives. Alistair Begg says this, Paul is not writing to well-meaning people who are seeking to live upright and moral lives and who are glad of a little encouragement. He's not writing to a group of people who are operating on the Santa Claus is coming to town routine who are trying to be good for goodness sake. That message abounds in pulpits across North America this morning. There will be people sitting at church and they come into church. They're aware of the fact that they're rascals, they're vagabonds or they're self-satisfied rascals. And as the vicar continues, eventually they say, oh, I get it. It's the same as last week. He just says to us the same thing every time. Try and do your best. Get out of here and be good for goodness sake. And of course, they know in their hearts that they're not good. And they haven't been doing very good at all. This is not the message of Christianity. The message of the gospel is that we need to change our hearts. That we need to change our purpose. That we need to yield to become an imitator of God. In the Pixar movie Up, uh, the premise of the movie is at the beginning, that starts the journey is that this older man uh, who has had this house that he and his wife built, that they've lived in for a long time, uh, is in a place where everything is being developed around him. I think we have an image of that. And he's not given up his house, he's not given in to what is going on around him. Now, I would say that this is inspiring in many ways because uh, often when things are going around us that we don't like, uh, it is good to, to, to say with resolve, we're not gonna give in to the way that things are going around us. But when you see that little house, I wanna say that that's what it is like when God is trying to build his kingdom and you in your heart say, I will not yield to you. I am not giving in to you. When God is doing a great work, and that is where some of you are this morning, and you will not yield to becoming who God has created you to be. And that is the first thing I would say for us in light of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. The second thing I would say is if we are yielding to become imitators of God, then we need to learn to imitate God. Learn to imitate God. Assuming you have yielded to God, you need to learn. In Ephesus, where the original readers of this letter live, is a city devoted to magic and idol worship. If you remember in the book of Acts, Paul would actually create a riot because he led people to Jesus and they stopped buying idols and the people were going out of business. And Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus, the Christians in Ephesus, to live differently than what's going on around them. Now you need to understand that we all worship. You might think the question is, will I become a worshiper or not? And that is not the question. The question is, who or what will you worship? And so we are all trying to imitate something. Our life is never in neutral. We are looking to something. I just uh, finished a documentary on Netflix about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I never realized how much uh, Arnold's influence uh, caused uh, cigars to be uh, the market that they are in America, or uh, how much he had to do with the big car uh, movement as the most famous uh, movie star in that day. And so we see that we're looking to imitate someone or something, and it is influencing us. That's why women for a a while were wearing skinny jeans, and now they're wearing mom jeans. If Taylor Swift wore burlap sacks, you would all show up in burlap sacks next Sunday morning. We see the influence that people have and the way that people are trying to imitate them, whether it's in how we parent, whether it's in our marriages, our money. And today with social media, we have all kinds of influencers who call themselves that, that people are trying to imitate. And we as the people of God, we as the church are called to imitate Christ. That must first and foremost be the influence in our life. And what I would suggest to you is that even within Christianity, we see a great influence of the world on how we live out our Christian life, sometimes more than Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not talking about style, because I hear people criticizing style, and they say, we don't need to be a nightclub in the church, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure Jesus also didn't want us to be a country club, okay? So it's not about style, it's about character. It's about what Paul says in Romans chapter 12, when he says, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice which is your spiritual worship. And do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will prove that God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. That's the influence of Jesus on our life. And we need a church, Robert Harris says this way, we do not need a church that will move with the world, but a church that will move the world. We need a church that says we are so in love with Jesus Christ, we find him to be so great and to be so much that that's going to move the world around me. And so if we love him this way, we ought to learn who he is and learn from him. And this is why the age old values of being a part of the church, being a student of the Bible and being people of prayer are important. In fact, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and thir- verse 13 and 14 that we should be learning and imitating other believers as they imitate Christ. See, we're called to imitate God. We're called to be disciples of Jesus, a disciple followed and learned from the rabbi. And we are to do that with Jesus. Learn to imitate God. The third thing I would say for us is this as we have yielded to the Father, as we have made an intentional effort to learn, keep God's definition of love in view. Paul writes in verse two, walk in love. Paul has a specific definition of love in mind. Today, our culture tells us that whatever we define love as can be considered love. The Bible tells us that God is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. See, what the text is telling us here this morning is that love comes from God, and that flows out of the life of a believer. And if we don't have the kind of love that God has, then we don't know God. And, and so this love that we have is, is love that is defined by God. I'll remind you, love is not God. God is love. And so our definition of love falls short of what love really is if it is not hinged on who God is and his character. God, John goes on to explain in 1 John what love really is, verse 9. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. John says, love is very insufficient if it is based on our ability to love. Even our ability to love God. But love is this, that a holy God would sacrifice for you, would sacrifice for us. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son and whoever believes in him will not perish, but shall have eternal life. And verse 11 and 12 in 1 John say, chapter four, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. John will go on to say in verse 18 that we love because he first loved us. God defines love. And if we're seeking to imitate God, then we're walking in love as he defines it. And we're not letting love and whatever we might say that be define who he is. And amongst Christians, when I say things like this, we're very easy to point at the flaws of the world and say, yeah, they they define love how they want to define it, but that's not what it is. But then in the church, we won't be hospitable people or welcoming people or seek out strangers. We won't be full of grace, we won't be patient we'll even as members of the church be very self-centered and consumeristic and we'll give up on people as soon as they don't give us what we want. God is love. And so if you call yourself a loving person, but your love doesn't look like God, that's not love. Walk in love as defined by Christ. Number four, last thing that is for us here. Remember the sacrifice of Christ for you. Remember the sacrifice of Christ for you. You see, this is the source of the life of imitating God. One of my favorite movies is the movie Saving Private Ryan. And while that is one of my favorite movies, there's actually a scene in the movie that is very disturbing to me, and not when the guts are on the beach, that's fine, but, but the very end of the movie, when after uh, Captain Miller dies, and he says to Matt Damon's character, Private Ryan, he says, earn this to him. And then it flashes back to uh, Private Ryan after he's lived you know, a, a, a long life, and he's in the cemetery. I think we have an image of that. And he asks his wife, he says, tell me I'm a good person. Tell me I've lived a good life. And here is this man with this uncertainty that he's lived with as to whether or not he's earned the sacrifice that these men made for him. And I think some people view Christianity in the same way. And that... We're thinking, when we think of Christ's death for us, that he said, earn this to us. And we're unsettled with whether or not we've lived a good life, whether we've been a good man. But that's not the gospel. The gospel is that you didn't earn it and that you can't earn it. I love that Hudson articulated, I'll keep sitting but that God showed his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And Christianity is a response to his love and the righteousness given to us, not trying to earn it. And so then we live in response to that and we smell like that. Have you ever smelled somebody who's been in the kitchen cooking good food? You can just tell they've been around something good, and no offense to them, you really don't want to be around them. You want to go to the source of that smell, right? And, and that's what our lives should be like as imitators of God, that we smell like the sacrifice of Jesus, and because of us, we're able to point people to the love of God. This is the call on our life. And God uses us when we posture ourselves in such a way. Uh, I wanna invite uh, my friend Andy Marska to join me. Andy is uh, part of our church and he's uh, a member of our life group, uh, which I attend like once or maybe once a month, maybe not quite that much, but you're there most weeks. And uh, on one of those occasions in which I was there, uh, Andy uh, shared a testimony about what God did this summer uh, when he was connecting with his family, who we've been praying for, and so, Andy, why don't you give us a little bit of the background, and then just tell us what happened this summer.
0: Yes, yes, thank you, James. Uh, So, first of all, James tried to comfort me when I said I was a little nervous about standing in front of all of you, talking, and he said that the early morning service, they're very nice and gracious, but he didn't say anything about you guys, (laughs) so... Little, little scared up here right now. It's
1: um, Because my wife sits in the front row, and it right. makes me nervous. Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, we had a, a really awesome <clears throat> excuse me, really awesome thing happen this summer. God did some amazing uh, work in our family. Um, as a little background, uh, I, I, my family mostly lives up north, and uh, there are some some of them that are rock solid followers of Jesus. They know Him, love Him, and they're you know they're running hard after Him. But like all of us, there's also a large number of family members that are uh, they, they don't know Jesus. They either have never heard the gospel, they uh, had bad church experiences that led to them rejecting God, uh, for all, all, the, all the different people in our families that we all can think of as we're sitting here right now. Um, and so we would always go and do visits, we'd go, go see them. And I always had a burden on my heart to share the gospel with them, share the good news. Um, but time after time, visit after visit, we would go, and we'd come back. I'd go with, like, good intentions. I'm, I'm gonna do this this time. I'm gonna try and come back, and nothing happened. Uh, and uh, I never understood why. Um, and, I don't know, looking back, it's, it's a, a la- lack of faith on my part, lack of confidence, lack of boldness, but ultimately a lack of reliance on God to do the work, um, lack of prayer. Um, and so this time it was going to be different. Uh, and so we, a couple weeks before, we're getting ready for this, tr- this trip, a family reunion, and uh, going up to Michigan near Lake Huron. Um, we just started praying. Uh, we got our, our small group, our life group began praying. Our Tuesday morning men's coffee group was praying. Um, I, all of our closest friends and family were all praying over this, that God would move, that he would he would prepare hearts, he would give us the words, and he would open doors. Uh, and so about a week before we, we went, he, we started to see him working and things changing. And so uh, one morning I woke up with an idea that's definitely not an Andy idea, something that I wouldn't come up with on my own, and that was to have a, uh, a morning Bible study yoga session which is not me. <laughs> um, I mean, all about the Bible, but I, w- I don't think I would lead a yoga session. So I called my brother-in-law, who's a uh, fitness guru, and like, said, hey, would you lead a yoga session? And I'll do a little Bible devotional. And he said, oh, he's, he was all in. Yes, let's do this. Um, and so my mom volunteered her house, her front yard. Um, my, my wife and my, sis- my sister um, put together an amazing brunch. So it ended up being this like, really awesome family Invitation to come on, let's do Bible, Bible discussion, let's do yoga, have brunch, and hang out and just enjoy each other, um, which is awesome. So over the next couple days, I've been praying about God give me some words, and he just made, gave me clarity on uh, some things that I could teach on. And uh, fast forward to the morning of, we got there, and it was beautiful weather, everything was great, and people showed up. It was, I don't know, 20-ish people came out. Um, we had a nice little yoga session, um, which was fun and entertaining. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was overall a good thing. And then I, I got to stand there in front of them all and, and teach a little, uh, a little devotional on Hebrews twelve two, where it, it says that Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Um, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross and just got to just talk about how he, how, how we desperately need his salvation and his grace. And uh, was, I, mean, I thought it went well, and and uh, from my perspective, like, hey, this is good. It it happened. I did it. <laughs> he opened a door, and I did it. Uh, and so we went in. We uh, uh, started having little brunch time, and we're just chit chatting. And uh, my aunt, who is one of, uh, she's a spiritual leader in our family. She's a strong Christian. She casually mentioned how she hadn't been baptized, but she was planning on getting baptized at church in the in the coming months, and. Uh, the plan for that day was to go to the beach uh, on lake huron and so i casually mentioned like hey have you ever thought about maybe just getting baptized on the beach today that'd be kind of cool and she was like never thought of it yeah let's do it i'm in uh and so i'm sitting there thinking like wow this is so cool god is doing this he's doing a thing and uh it switched from like hey we've got this uh devotional time uh, time of talking about Jesus. They got to hear the gospel. And I was going to extend into an afternoon on the beach. We're going to have a baptism. I'm going to get to talk about it some more. More and more discussions are going to happen. This is so cool. And then he just blew things up and took it to a whole other level. So we're just chit-chatting. And uh, my aunt looks over at my my cousin, her grandson, and uh, says, hey, do you want to get baptized with me? He's like, I don't know. I said, have you ever... Accepted Jesus as your savior? Not exactly. <laughs> Do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> and so he, right, th- right then and there, we, we prayed with him and, and talked with him, and he accepted Jesus as his savior. Um, <laughs> so I'm losing it inside, thinking this is like, <laughs> way more than I could have asked for. He's, he's, doing, he's just doing it. Uh, we, we prayed, and we called out to him. We begged for him to move, and he's moving um, and so throughout the rest of that day, we uh, had time to, to talk, and he, he uh, opened up doors all day long. Good discussion. Um, I, I got to talk to uh, my cousin about what is baptism? What does it mean? What, it, what are some challenges you're gonna be up against? He's a 19-year-old, like a new Christian. Um, what, what does all of this really mean? And making sure he fully understood it, and he's on board. And he decided he wanted to get baptized also. And so and we had two baptisms lined up. Um, and so, continued talking throughout the day. By the time we got to the baptism time, four other people decided they wanted to join and get baptized that day. It was just mind blowing. Um, and uh, so, what that meant is that we got to go on. We got on the beach, and we have a video going to show up in a minute. You'll see me. I, I got to explain what uh, what is baptism, what does it mean, and this time with more people. So we had the, the brunch cr- brunch crowd, and then we had even more family members uh, came out, and yeah, there we are. And I, I got a chance to explain the gospel again, what is baptism, why we do it, what does it mean, and then uh, my cousin got, you'll see in a second, he got to baptize his mom, his sister, his son, his daughter, and his niece and his nephew, <laughs> and uh, it was a beautiful, awesome thing, and there's our family up on the beach just celebrating and enjoying it, and uh, I, that night, I kind of got back to, to our room and laying in bed reflecting on the whole day and all the doors that he had opened. And uh, I'm just thinking, James had just preached on Ephesians 2, 2 twenty twenty one, 21, which I've been memorizing it, but I, I'm not as confident as James to we just believe, say it. We believe you. So I'm just going to read it to you now. <laughs> <clears throat> now, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And, and really, I think that the, the pivot here, the key thing is that we, I tried so hard year after year. And it wasn't until I stopped and I, I said, I need, you to, I need you to lead the way. I need you to give me, the, give me the words. And you open the doors. And I bet he's been opening the doors all along, but I wasn't looking for the doors because I wasn't asking him to open the doors. And I think there's an, an awareness happened when I started saying, hey, please, I need you to take over.
1: So. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Thank you, Andy. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Man. It's so, so awesome. And Andy, uh, a part of that is that you uh, and Kelly, um, you, you smell like Jesus. <laughs> and um, God, some other things too, but you smell like Jesus. And um, you, just you, by the way, not Kelly. Sorry, I realized that after I said that, at the second part. Uh, but um I'll just close with this. What vision do you have for your life? Is it some version of the American dream? Is it some kind of life avoiding anything difficult and just being comfortable? Is it some life of moralistic superiority? Because the God who has created you and has designed you has a vision for your life. And some of you might not care. And my prayer for you, as scary as this may be, is that God would ever do whatever he has to do to get you to a place where you look to him. And some of you, you're just unsettled. Maybe you're trying to earn it. Seek truth. And the truth will set you free. And the truth is Jesus. This is the life we're called to live. Time with Jesus, becoming like Jesus. Father, forgive us where we complicate what you make so straightforward. As I referenced at the beginning, where there is no vision, people will perish. But Proverbs twenty-nine, eighteen, where that comes from, actually says this. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Maybe your translation says where there is no oracle from God because what the proverb writer is saying is where people are not hearing from God and his word, they fail. They perish. In God's word is the vision for your life. It's true that some of the specifics of your life are not in here, but as Howard Hendricks says, if you will trust God for the 95% that he has given you clarity on, he'll take care of the other 5%. If you will be the person that God has called you to be, God will work with you and through you in those specifics, in the decisions you make in your life, in your family, with your money, with your career, and your fulfillment. As the psalmist says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path, stands in the path of sinners or sits in the seat of the scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf does not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. This is the word of God. Be an imitator of God as a beloved child, walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. That's the fragrant offering to God. Father, have your way in us this morning. Whether that means yielding to you, saying, I want to be who God has created me to be recognizing that we don't become that on our own, but God has done the work for us of making us righteous and gives us his spirit to empower us. And so maybe today someone just needs to cry out to you and say, I'm yours. Build your kingdom right here in my heart. Maybe it's saying, I need to be intentional about learning from you, God, knowing what you have for me. Maybe it's I need to look to you as the example of love and trust in you. God, I pray that as I say this for myself, we would all sincerely mean this. God, have your way in me and through me for what matters. You. In Jesus' name, amen.